Several weeks ago, wildfires in Australia that had already been burning for four months grew larger than anyone could have imagined they would. Images of homeless koalas, desolate red landscapes where once there stood entire communities, and people fleeing the inferno flooded the media. It was hard not to look away. I noticed within myself the desire to avoid coverage of this catastrophe, perhaps because of the wildfires that have been sparked right here in California. Many people in my communities have mentioned feeling like this catastrophe happening across the world somehow still feels personal. It feels like something that could happen here to our families and friends. Every time I read or listen to the news, it seems like humanity's impact on the planet is causing some new problem. But whatever the crisis, many scientists and media have begun to refer to climate change as the new normal, which I guess in some ways is true. But normalizing human-caused catastrophes at this magnitude is itself a scary state of affairs. I am hardly an expert on the climate, but I believe that in order for any solution to the crisis to be successful, it must be rooted in our empathy, in our humanity. Our empathy is the reason it's hard not to look away from these catastrophes. We feel for people living through the unimaginable. We begin to imagine how we would feel in their place. And in a culture that encourages us all to avoid bad vibes and only focus on the positive in life, it takes courage to be honest with ourselves and others about how bad the state of our planet, of our economy, really is. It also takes courage to allow ourselves to mourn all that our system is willing to lose. Over the last several decades, all kind of environmental leaders have emerged And most of them have focused on the things that we can do, the steps that we can take to fix many different problems. Think of those top ten lists of how to eliminate plastic from your life and all of the different ways that we can reduce our carbon emissions. But I'm becoming convinced that while technical fixes and policy changes can help, The path towards a sustainable future, a future that no longer considers the earth or any of her people expendable, is going to require a different kind of focus. In 2013, poet and environmental activist Wendell Berry was one of several speakers ahead of a rally on the banks of the Ohio River during that year's General Assembly, which is the business meeting of our Unitarian Universalist Association. Here is what he had to say 
about the kind of approach it will take to address climate change. Mountaintop removal and climate change are not the sort of simple problems that can be solved by what we call problem solving. They are summary evils gathered up from innumerable causes in the bad economy that we all depend upon and serve. It is not as though we have not been warned. The advice against waste, extravagance, selfishness, hubris, falsehood, and willful ignorance is old. But people of religion have entrusted questions about economy, about how we live, to economists and industrialists. Environmentalists seem to think that problems caused by technology can be solved or controlled by more technology or alternative technology. People of both kinds seem to think that big problems have big solutions. Both are mistaken. Climate crisis is but one symptom of a larger dominant worldview that frames everything, every place, every one, chiefly in terms of how to use them to make a profit. Climate crisis is the result of a worldview that considers the earth an object from which to extract profit rather than a massive system of organisms with whom we evolve to be in symbiotic relationship and without whom we will perish. And this crisis is just one of many consequences of the unquenchable desire for wealth and power, the same sickness that also threatens to tip our nation into a dictatorship. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. famously wrote that there are certain things in our nation and in the world about which I am proud to be maladjusted, and which I hope all men, he was writing in the 60s, of goodwill will be maladjusted. But how do we cope with what is becoming the new normal while still resisting it, while refusing to normalize it? How do we find the courage and the stamina to face the reality of climate change with eyes wide open. Working to change our laws, change the system, change policy is crucial. But I think the path towards a sustainable future will require as much inner change as it requires outer individual and systemic change. First, I believe we need the courage to face the reality of our planet's current trajectory. Even if all countries greatly reduced our emissions today, our past carbon emissions would still continue to impact our climate far into the future. With this in mind, environmental science and writing teacher Alyssa Hull has this to say about the high school students she teaches. I suspect that some still are understandably afraid to engage the issue, to recognize that climate change is here 
that it will change their lives is to accept the end of those lives. It is an end to a certain way of living, to a certain mindset. But it is not the end. We need the stories to carry them, us, beyond there. When I look at my children, it is hard to think about the climate they and their children may live in 50 years from now. It's hard to admit that things will likely be more dire in some ways than they are today. But I don't think I'm serving their best interest by avoiding thinking about that. Our children need us to find the courage to prepare them for the world that they will inherit from us. And they need us to strive for a new way of being, a different way of being. Because simply finding a new source of energy isn't the answer. It doesn't address the unsustainable worldview at the root of the challenge. The need for more wealth and power over others, the underlying assumption that bigger is always better, that we can always grow. These pieces of the worldview that drives the global economy, that is the root of racism and white supremacy, this is the problem. And in order to address this, we need courage. Courage to do what we know must be done. Courage to press for change that others tell us is unrealistic or impossible or hopeless. Adrienne Marie Brown writes, When I feel hopeless, it usually means my attention is on things I can't touch. When I bring my attention to the people and places I can touch, can shape and be shaped by, my life fills with meaning, with connection and joy and transformation. One of the most powerful ideas I learned in seminary is that the only person in a community any of us can change is ourselves. Even though we may encounter resistance at first, if we continue to live with integrity, to press on with the change we have made, eventually the community will realign itself around us in a healthier way. Some of us are privileged to be able to make choices about whether to fly, how to avoid plastic. Others are not. But all of us can live into our power where we are. All of us can live into the truth that we are free. All of us have people and things we can touch, we can shape, and be shaped by. And those are the things that help give us energy and our courage. Just as important as living into our power and making the changes we can is nourishing ourselves, feeding our spirits, tending to the needs of our hearts. When asked in an interview how the challenges facing her generation differ from those faced by leaders of past movements, this is how Adrienne Marie Brown responded. I would say the biggest difference is we've increased our exposure to all the suffering and struggle in the world 
without increasing our capacity to handle it. The speed of knowledge has increased. Now it's a nearly instantaneous flow of crisis, tragedy, and need sprinkled with glimpses of triumph, resilience, humanity. And we are supposed to have a coherent opinion on all of it and stay focused on those things we can impact. We need mindfulness practice to come with our smartphones. Mindfulness practice to come with our smartphones is not exactly a phrase I expect to hear from an environmentalist and womanist activist. And yet it points to exactly the kind of daily practice, daily living, needed to cultivate the seed of a transformed world within, to be courageous while staying soft and human, staying kind and loving in this world, such as it is. Whatever it is that renews your hope, whatever it is that feeds your spirit, however you reconnect with the places and people and values that matter most to you, please make time for these things now more than ever. We will need strong and nourished hearts and minds, bodies and spirits to guard against hopelessness, to prepare our children for the world they will inherit, and to know deeply that we are free and to continue to move and shape the world accordingly, as Brown writes. And we will need to be in love with the earth if we are to protect it. Because the solutions to climate change and the other destructive and oppressive forces at work in our world are not going to come with some new technological development that turns plastic into fish food, and it isn't going to come from some new clean fuel breakthroughs. The solutions to climate change, I believe, will come from transformed people transforming the systems we live in. The solutions will come when we learn to overcome ourselves, as Chaplain Tiger wrote in our first reading this morning. They will come when we return to the ancient teachings about the destructive power of greed and the corrupting influence of wealth. They will come when we remember that we must lose this world to find the next one. And they will come when we live out of the truth that every catastrophe, not just those around the world, but those down this hill, every catastrophe is personal. All people are our people. And that the whole wide earth is our blue boat home. Amen. Mm -mm. Amen.